Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Practice Squad Jobber podcast. My name is Brett, and I am here without my co-host, Joel, today. He isn't feeling well, um, but we do have an exciting guest here today. You may know him as Independent Wrestling's favorite dad. We have from St. Louis, Missouri, Dan the Dad. Dan the Dad, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. How's it going? It is going great. Uh, this is an interview I've been looking forward to for a while. Um, a few years ago, um, I started watching a lot more independent wrestling. And that era, I mean, just Danhausen, Warhorse, Effie, Dan the Dad, you guys, those were the ones to watch. And uh, so this, is, this has been a long time coming for me. I'm very excited to be able to do this with you. So um, during the pre-pandemic... Dan the Dad, very hot on the independent scene. Um, and what some people may not know, you had an NXT tryout scheduled. Um, and then pandemic happened. So uh, can you kind of take us through that? What the, you know, the excitement and then the disappointment of the pandemic? Has there been anything, any follow-up to that? Take us from there. Um, yeah, you know, that was a, a, a time where, you know, going from, you know, earlier in my career, I didn't really have much go- going, well, at least when it came to like WrestleMania weekend and stuff, I was a, I've always more of a, a local talent, never really uh, had many opportunities with, with stuff like that. And then when, once I, uh, you know, once Dan the dad came to be and it started to get uh, popular and more fun, and I started to get more confidence and everything was more entertaining. You know, I started to get a lot more opportunities and that, you know, kind of coincided with um, what would have been, you know, WrestleMania in, in 2020 down in, in Tampa. So I went from, I think that the previous uh, WrestleMania weekend in New York, I was, I had, I was booked for one battle Royal. That was all I had going on for the entire weekend. And then the, the next year I had um, scheduled at, at least seven bookings. I think there, there maybe may have been more um, that, that were going to come in, but uh, so yeah, it was like a, a ton of opportunities. And then on top of that, um, I was able to, you know, get in with, uh, through, through Evolve, which was still um, up and running at the time, uh, was able to get an opportunity to, you know, go down to NXT on that, in that same week. And, you know, well, not sure what would, would have happened, but it was a, it was an opportunity. Um, so far, no, no follow-up to that ever. It's been a lot of, a lot, a lot of uh, other talent has, was able to step up over the past year. I wasn't too, too active. So I'm still kind of trying to get a lot of that momentum back and, uh, you know, and it's been it's been tough just because it's a lot of the places that I uh, had a, had a was kind of a mainstay at aren't ones that were running a lot, whether it's Glory Pro or freelance wrestling. Alpha One up in uh, Ontario was actually one of my one of my homes where I was up there uh, almost every month uh, for a while there. And so for so a lot of those places that uh, where I was established that actually just weren't able to get back up and running for a while. So, which uh, they're, they're starting now. And I'm, I'm just happy to say I'm able to get back to Chicago, back up to, you know, Minnesota uh, tomorrow, actually. So, um, so the travel's coming back, the momentum is coming back, but, um, you know, just to talk about what uh, it sure was a disappointment to kind of lose all of those opportunities at the time, but, you know, everything will still be there. Wrestling's going to keep changing and evolving and, 
you got to stick with it. So, you know, I could, I could sit here and, and dwell on that, but uh, it is what it is when I've had a year and a half to get over it. So here I am. <laughs> Everything is okay. So during the pandemic, a lot of independent talent, um, just the work's not there anymore. What did you do during the pandemic to kind of, kind of keep going uh, ways that you looked to continue to interact with fans? Um, we've had Clark care, uh, Clark Feldman, Free range Kara on both of them uh, decided to start doing Twitch streams. Mm-hmm. Um, believe you have a Twitch stream as well. Um, so for that, and what else have you done to keep it going, keep that wrestling wrestling fuel going? Yeah, you know, for a while I was trying to do. You know, we're all we are all by ourselves and not able to really, you know, do much in terms of even when it comes to filming you know, videos or anything. A lot of that was just, you know, stuff we were doing on our own. And I kind of, I, I, I started off, you know, filming some videos, some, some ass Dan, the dad videos, and then that kind of um, transitioned into doing something that was just more, more interactive than, you know, just filming videos and, and, tw- and tweeting and everything. So that's where Twitch kind of came in, um, started off as, uh, you know, just playing some retro games to kind of stay, I guess stay on brand with Dan the Dad that you would play some Sega games or something, but it kind of from there just kind of evolved to more um, of just chatting. We've done, you know, played some some card. Like I've, I've had Warhorse as kind of a regular guest where we'll we'll either play games or we'll play like we've been sent a few wrestling card games uh, from um, some uh, the fine folks like Foam Hammer Games sent us the game Book It, which is a fun little promoter card game. So I'll plug that if you're interested in something like that. It's actually a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, we're able to just kind of find other, other stuff to do on and just kind of keep things more interactive. And I've done, you know, some, some trivia night type stuff, um, as well as just kind of throwing out some wrestling and just, just chatting over it. So, um, yeah, it's sort of, it's still evolving. I'm still kind of getting my, my bearings, you know, as the kind of what the, you know, the little community that we're building on Twitch wants to see and and then how we can just be more, just be more interactive. I think that's the fun of it is that it's, uh, we can just chat about whatever and it and you know everyone can can have a good time and it doesn't necessarily have to be about watching someone play video games it's actually not at all what it's about and that's what I learned most about Twitch I was uh, pre getting involved with it I was like who who would sit and watch somebody play video games why is it interesting and then as I started to form a little bit of a community I started to understand more of what it's what it's there for and I and I started to enjoy it a lot more and and figured out ways to um you know, just have more fun with it and, and, um, you know, keep people engaged. So that's, that was the main, main thing that I kind of got into over the past year. Um, it took a handful of bookings to kind of stay, stay active with wrestling. But when that really wasn't there, it was the only way to, you know, still see people and and talk to people and, and, you know, to stay active and stay creative. Cause I think that was the hardest thing was not being able to, to go from a, a pretty major part of your life as a creative outlet to, not you know it's not there anymore so that was kind of the main thing it was like i need to uh i need to create something i need to kind of like do something with my time that isn't just you know sitting sitting around you know i play video games in my own time i watch a lot of sports i, I do a lot of, of stuff in my own time but not being able to like share that with a community of people um got pretty hard so so i'm glad i found something and still still keeping it going even even post kind of post pandemic here and I've been able to enjoy a few of your Twitch streams. Um, I, I came in when you started doing NFL Blitz. Um, 
Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey. And it brought back a lot of memories for me because as a kid, those were the games I'd play with my dad. And just getting to have those conversations with you, it, it was a lot of fun. We started jamming out to Hootie and the Blowfish. And it was just really good time, really relaxed environment all around. Um, then Pokemon Stadium with Warhorse. It's it's a really fun Twitch. I can't recommend it enough. Um, and you talked about it a bit. Uh, now you're doing uh, kind of this uh, promotion for Foam Hammer Games with their with their board game Book It. Um, I ordered it, played it with my girlfriend the other day, and we're actually on Sunday. We're uh, taking it to our friend's house, and we're going to be playing playing Book It. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot kind of in the beginning, but once you get your head wrapped around it and figure out the mechanics of the game, it's so much fun. And the cool part is you don't need to know a lot about wrestling to play it. You can bring in, bring in family, friends who only know a little bit, and that doesn't matter. It's just, it's a great time. Um, the dirt sheet cards to mess with, uh, opponents. That's a, that's a lot of fun for me. Um, so how did that kind of like partnership come in for you uh, for Foam Hammer Games and with you? Um, they reached out. I mean, I think we they kind of saw, uh, maybe took a look at the the stream and kind of saw what me and Warhorse were just kind of goofing around with whatever, whether it be the N64 game or, or whatever. And they and they just kind of reached out and said, you know, uh, you know, would you be interested in, you know, playing something, you know, that's a tabletop type game, right? So. Um, which isn't something I'd really considered and had to kind of figure out a, a, a good way to do that on a, on the stream to be able to, you know, show what the cards are and everything, you know, be able to play it, but also still kind of show everyone what's going on. But once I kind of figured out uh, how to do that, it actually was a lot of fun. Um, and I'm sure we'll play it again. We've got, got, to, got to get maybe a few more people in, maybe do like a four player version of it. Cause I think that's where it gets a lot more fun instead of just doing the the one-on-one but um no they were they were just great they did they they reached out they said hey we'll send you a copy of the game play it if you like it you know play it on the stream and and it, and it was a lot of fun so we've done played it twice now and i i'm, I'm sure we'll play it more in the future because it's just a nice especially once everyone once you're caught up on the rules and everything mm-hmm. you understand how it works it's it's uh it's a blast so yeah. yeah uh foam hammer games book it it's uh 40 dollars online i believe i just ordered it recently um there was a discount code dan the dad for 20 percent off if you have twitter dm the guys at foam hammer games they'll let you know um which which promo codes are working which ones aren't um let them know you heard from dan the dad stream and uh shout out to paul laporte and the guys at foam hammer games it's a really fun game and one of my favorite parts is just the creative names they come up with for some of the wrestlers just yeah really that's good of, uh, we like not not so much making fun of but uh just right having fun, having fun with the you know the the uh the names that they've come up with is to you know it reminds me of like fire pro where you'd have those yes. old, like the 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 fake names that are like just just off enough that you know, you're not going to get in any trouble, but definitely close right. enough that you know exactly who they're, who they're referencing. So, and then some of the cards are even like, uh, like amalgamations of two different wrestlers. And you kind of mm-hmm. have to guess who like these two wrestlers that they've combined into some of them. Um, but yeah, it's fun. And they've been, they've sent over like one of the expansion packs. So it's like another 50 wrestlers to go through. And um, so there's a ton of, there's a ton of content with it. And I know, I know they're still building out more, um expansion packs and different ways to play uh so it's it's cool it's I'm, I'm glad they set it up that way where you you know you can play it get an expansion pack that changes the game and get another one that changes the game so that i don't see it getting old anytime soon 
No, and I, you know, I'm going to find out Sunday if four players is the right way to go. Uh, that was something that Katie and I had kind of picked up on when we were playing. Uh, going to be a lot more to it when you've got four people going being competitive with it. So looking forward yeah. to that. Um, so you had briefly talked about Glory Pro. Um, you are the owner and promoter of Glory Pro. How did that happen? Going from wrestler, promoter, wearing both hats, so to speak. Tell us more. Yeah, so Glory Pro um, started originally back, all, I guess, all the way back 2017 now. It doesn't, doesn't seem that long ago, but I guess when a whole year disappeared, it, everything seems like forever ago. But uh, <laughs> um, no, it was just a, it was a situation where, um, you know, the original owner, uh, who was Michael Elgin, he had, had a step away from the, the promoting game. And after a year, it was very successful um, in terms of like a first year for a promotion. It, it really exploded um, when it first came about. And, um, and a, lot of the, a lot of the talent that was involved with that, whether it was uh, um, Kurt Stallion and uh, uh, even, even just like myself and Paco and a lot of the like, uh, you know, students at that time um, were getting good opportunities uh, through that promotion. Well, opportunities that we didn't get anywhere else just because you know, wrestling is very regional. You got to like really mm-hmm. work your way to get out of the, of your, your, uh, your home territories. And, and a lot of times it's hard to do that if there's not a major promotion in your home territory to kind of like lend that exposure to everyone. So I think at that time, um, St. Louis, I, I, then versus now is very different because now you, there is a lot of exposure coming to the St. Louis area, but back in like 2017, 2018, there wasn't quite that national type of uh, attention being given to it so you know when when glory pro was kind of on the rocks when it didn't have anyone to to i guess steer the ship um myself and uh kld uh just kind of stepped up to to take control of it because it, it it just seemed too it just seemed like too much of a shame to to let it just go away after to be so successful and offer so many opportunities to to everyone in, um, in the area. So, uh, so what, what we just took over and it was, it was definitely a rocky start. I mean, we didn't have any, uh, that much like promoter experience. I, I had zero. I mean, the first show that we had to promote, we had, um, uh, Tetsuya Naito was, was coming into town because of, uh, awesome. of Elgin's connections with new Japan pro wrestling. And then kind of in that period before that show actually happened was when this transition took place. So the first show that we've got to promote, We've got probably at that time, definitely the, the biggest star in Japan. Um, so, yeah, this was like late 2017, early 2018. Um, and about a, had like a, a packed, sold out venue um, and had to make that show happen. And it had its, its uh, a few bumps in the road and it, it didn't go perfectly. It wasn't a disaster by any means, but it certainly was a learning experience to kind of figure mm-hmm. out okay, you know, here's all the things you got to consider when you're, when you're running an event and you, you until, until you've done it, you, you, you'll have, you, you can play book it as many times as you, as you want, yeah. but <laughs> not nothing is a substitute for um, the actual experience of, of, of running a, a, especially a major event like that. So, um, so yeah, from there, it was just kind of a learning experience of, of what the fans wanted to see and, and uh, you know, what wrestlers have the ability to, to connect with them. I think Glory Pro, the one thing that, you know, we look for in our talent is not only wrestling ability, but also that ability to connect with an audience and to be entertaining. And um, I, I think our roster uh, has the, the, the best, 
you know, the, the best mix of, of all that, whether it be um, great characters, great entertainment, great wrestling. Um, a lot of a lot of wrestlers who, you know, are, are still up and coming, but, you know, like, like Cody Lane's a good example of somebody who's very athletic. He's a great wrestler and he's got this great character. He's a Southern Flamingo and he's kind of like a trailer park uh, heel guy. And, and, he, and he does, he cuts these hilarious promos. And it's a you know, and we showcase him, and and we'll showcase Warhorse, and we're able to do uh you know an angle with with Alley Cat as she mm-hmm. transitioned to um, Alley Catch, you know that happened in Glory Pro. So a lot of what we do is very character based, but it just we mix that good wrestling in there with it, and I think it's um I think it's one of the best all around shows that you're gonna find, and that's and we and we specifically set it up that way. I think a lot of promotions have their specialty. And they mm-hmm. like to really lean into one style or another. And I think Glory Pro is, is a very all-around, you know, something for everybody type of place. In, a, in an environment where I don't know that there's really as many of those type of promotions that exist anymore. I think a lot of promotions have kind of honed on, in on a single type of, uh, you know, style of wrestling or a certain type of niche. And we're kind of trying to just kind of do our best to, to have something for everyone. So it's, um, it's going, I mean, this year alone, you know, just kind of coming out of the pandemic has been, you know, the most successful we've ever been. Our first two events, we had one in April, one in May, both did great. And then we've got um, a big event coming up just in a couple of weeks on July 25th with uh, Ethan Page coming back. He was always someone who helped us out a lot um, in our earlier days. You know, now that he's big television star he's going to come back and you know give us a little bit of a rub so that's very nice of him but um and then dan Housen will be there as well warhorse uh, jake something rohit raju myron reed all of, these are all uh, of our regulars so it's a it's a star-studded lineup of of uh of talent that you're going to see here every single time we run an event and uh i don't think people quite understand uh like you said, the work that goes into being a promoter and uh, maybe even the wrestlers don't really realize that. And kind of like you said, book it, you know, it's not really not really a, a way to uh, do it justice uh, or SmackDown versus Raw with their GM mode really doesn't. So on a day of an event, you're you're on the card as a wrestler, you're doing the promotion, you're doing the bookings. What does that look like? How do you maintain your sanity doing all of that uh, throughout of what has to be the busiest guy in, in the city at that point. Yeah. I mean, it would be a lot easier if, um, you know, Dan, the dad didn't also have to wrestle on the show. Uh, if I could just focus <laughs> on one or the other, but, um, and you know, maybe someday then it'll, I'll only be, I'll move strictly into promoting and not have to, but, but I like to, I, I, I like to get in front of, of the hometown fans i think that's the thing is like i i, I could kind of just take uh, myself off to make it a little bit easier to to manage the shows but then um i don't know i just would miss i miss what well, would miss performing for the the st louis crowd too much um so it, it, it is it's 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 extremely busy it's um sorry i got a little bit of a helicopter was going above anyway it's extremely busy uh and it's really hard to kind of juggle everything while also, you know, preparing myself to, to get out and, and, and wrestle and, and perform. But um, I guess, I don't know, somehow, somehow I do it. I don't, it's it, it, at this point, it's become pretty much second nature. I've been doing it for, you know, a little over three years now, just about almost uh, give aside from the past year, you know, at least once a month or running a, running an event. And 
it's it's been it's it's fun I, I i like to i'm just a person who likes to be busy i don't like to mm-hmm. you know be sitting around. it it'd be nice to be able to just sit around at a show like, like tomorrow i'll be up at first and i'll go and i'll wrestle and then i'll drink some beer and that'll be fun but so that's fun to do once in a while but then um i i, I enjoy the 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 constant uh the pressure and the the kind of the the hard work that goes into kind of doing uh being a jack of all trades on on those glory pro show days it's uh because it's, it's extremely rewarding once it's all done especially once i've finished my match and then i can just kind of watch mm-hmm. the last few matches on the show and just kind of you know then and then i get to i get to at least sit back and enjoy it for to watch like the main event you know so that's there's cool. nothing like saying i maybe not created but like I had a hand in this, like for, and I can appreciate that mentality. Um, I work a full-time job, do the podcast, do a YouTube channel. And sometimes it feels like I'm doing 25 hours of work in a 24 hour day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I, I can fully appreciate what you do there, but being able to take that step back. Um, like I, I've got friends who ask me, how do you do all of that? And well, you're doing something that you're passionate about. When you're doing Glory Pro, you know, that is, that's your passion. That's something that, sure, it seem it might seem like work in the moment, but when you get to step back, it's just, man, you're living your dream. Yep. Yeah, and it's, once it's like at the end of the day, when that cleanup is happening and the crew's Mm kind of getting it all settled and everyone's, everyone's paid and, um, and and I've actually added an extra uh, layer of, uh, of work to it because I, I actually just edit the shows now as well oh. instead of so <laughs> which again just was a skill that I wanted to learn so I started yep. doing that um so so the work isn't even done at the end of the at the end of the the show In the next couple of days I'm getting everything edited together to get uploaded to the high spots network so that we can get it out the the week of so it's it's even more work but I I like it I, I like being able to do different stuff learn different skills and um just kind of be able to be able to, to to do anything and it's honestly just saves money doing all the work yourself so <laughs> yeah when you're running a small business that's kind of what you got to do if you want to keep it alive you got to put in that work and um you know save as much money as you can but still put on a good out of quality product you know and shout out to joel who's uh not not a part of the show today but he will be editing the show tonight he takes care of all of that and i couldn't be more grateful for that because that just feels like a nightmare um, <laughs> so uh, my local promotion that I go to, um, not my promotion, uh, the local promotion in my area that I get to go to and watch independent shows is First Wrestling. Uh, promoter slash wrestler of First Wrestling is Eric Cannon. This is somebody I've had a lot of respect for watching throughout the years. Um, but Eric recently showed up at Glory Pro, uh, took your belt, wrapped it around his fist, punched you between the eyes. Uh, what happened? I thought you guys were, I thought you guys were buddies. Uh, and all of a sudden, Eric, does he want to be the only promoter slash wrestler in town? What's going on there? <laughs> that must be it. He might, he must be, uh, uh, jealous that I'm also a, he, he's a jack of all <laughs> trades and all, there can only be one, I, I suppose. But, um, now he came, you know, and we were excited to bring him back to the St. Louis area because Eric actually had a very, he has a storied history in in this in this city um but hadn't really come back for a few years just you know based off of what you know what he had going on and what was going on here so so we were happy to to have him back and i think fans were were wanting to see him but yeah he came back with a real chip on his shoulder to to say the least he 
you know, first his first match in for Glory Pro was him in Warhorse, where he uh, decided to take a shortcut, go for the low blow uh, to to take out Warhorse, and then against me, uh, kind of more of the same. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, we're gonna settle it though. We're gonna sell it, settle it uh, July twenty fifth in a a St. Louis style street fight, which is just a street fight that's taking place in St. Louis, but. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be, it's, we're going to, you know, see what, uh, what he's made of. And I guess what, what I'm made of, uh, and I guess we'll see, we'll see who's the best, uh, wrestler slash promoter slash whatever else that we both are, have going on. Um, cause we're both kind of kindred spirits in that way, but yeah, if he's going to have an attitude problem, then we can, we can settle it the old fashioned way in the, the St. Louis way. So maybe I'll hit on. Well, maybe I'll I'll uh, find some St. Louis paraphernalia to to smack him over the head with. We'll have to see what we can we can drum up for that. But it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch either way. I guess uh, it might not feel too good for either of us. But yeah, Cannon he's he's got a mean streak if he wakes up on the wrong side of the bed. It can happen. You know, so usually such a nice guy, but uh, not not in the every once in a while. St. Louis metro area. <laughs> and, uh, tomorrow, first wrestling, you're gonna be there. You and you and Cannon gonna be able to coexist behind the scenes, or are you gonna let him know, hey, we got something coming, buddy? I don't know. I guess uh, I'm not even sure. Uh, he's been keeping the the card a, a secret for the for the show tomorrow, so I'm not even totally sure what if we might even we might even do a Minnesota street fight tomorrow. I don't. I'm not sure. Well, when I get to the venue, I'll find out if it's me and him or or what's going on. Um, we'll try to coexist. I maybe we're in a tag match with each other and that'll be some sort of drama. I don't know. Cause I don't know what the card is for tomorrow, but I'm way. really looking forward to the show <laughs> tomorrow and interested to see what kind of shenanigans end up happening. It's uh, this is probably the most excited I've been for an independent show. And I don't know how long this is just, and Eric does, seems to do that with a lot of his shows. You don't know about the card until the day of, and it's, I, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, any, anytime you got a you got a bunch of good talent and you when you mm-hmm. can just get the talent announcements out there and get people excited to come see it and they're not even worried about the matchups that kind of says a lot about um promoting skills that you that you mm-hmm. uh, brought together they're such a good group that you know any any of them can wrestle any it doesn't matter what the matchups are going to be um it's going to be a, a great card so um and then Sonny Kiss will be there, and I have not seen Sonny in a long time, so that'll be a lot of fun. It'll um, be my first time of... seeing Sonny Kiss, and I'm really yeah. excited to see Sonny go. So uh, I'm just going to throw it out there into the universe. I would like to see maybe Dan the Dad and Warhorse versus Eric Cannon and maybe Darius Martin tomorrow, or Dante Martin, excuse me. I think that would be a sure. lot of fun. I'm just I'm just throwing I'm... that one out there to the universe. Let's see if anybody uh-huh. listens and it happens. <laughs> I because because I think at the last first show they did a little bit of a a St. Louis versus uh, Minnesota six man mm-hmm. tag or something I think it was Warhorse and maybe is it Warhorse and Besties against uh, Eric and whoever it was I know it was it was one side of St. Louis people against the side of Minnesota people and I I think we should keep that going because I think that's a it's a it's a good rivalry because it's two really good um, wrestling territories that mm-hmm. I don't think cross paths enough I think we. At Glory Pro, we try to bring some uh, Minnesota people down, um, and I know uh, First Wrestling is like, always tries to bring some St. Louis people up, but uh, we don't really cross paths that much outside of our our home territories. So it's kind of nice to keep the 
create a rivalry we can kind of keep going back to it because it's a it's two it's two really good groups yeah chicago is kind of known as that chicago philadelphia they're kind of known as those wrestling territory the the big big wrestling cities and minnesota mm-hmm. and st louis sometimes feel like little brother and got something to prove so i i'm gonna enjoy that rivalry the longer it goes um so we've talked to clark feldman we've talked to free range Kara about uh, a little bit about wrestling bucket lists do you have anything mm-hmm. on your wrestling bucket list that you really want to accomplish and what's something that you are determined to nail down on that bucket list this year um you know the the big thing this year and this is just because um you know st louis has a really storied history with wrestling dating back to wrestling at the chase so this was a mm-hmm. uh, a venue that 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 housed wrestling from the literally the back to the 50s all the way up until the mid 80s wrestling on the chase is a mainstay uh in st louis and so um the nwa is actually coming back to run of some events at the chase um at the end of august and um i have nothing confirmed yet i'm trying to get in contact with them but that's my my big goal at least for the through the summer is to be able to to wrestle there um one because nwa is a great brand would be great to to get that exposure and 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 show them what i can do uh and show their their audience what i can do but just to be able to wrestle at the chase where i mean my great-grandfather was like a regular at at those uh at those events and then kind of he passed that down to my dad and they would watch wrestling at the chase on on weekends and then that kind of got passed down to me and here we are so uh, just to kind of trace everything back uh to how i even uh have wrestling in my life goes directly to wrestling at the chase so um so you know i'm hoping uh it just kind of depends what uh how it shakes out but um that's that's the one thing i want to do this year i want to wrestle uh, at the chase because uh, and it's something I never thought I'd get to do just because no one's no one's ran wrestling there since I think the last taping was in 1986 or something so it's just been uh, something that hasn't been revisited in a very very long time um, so I'm excited to see it happening um, regardless of if uh, if I get to participate or not but hopefully yeah well I hope that too and look forward to seeing that now, in like the 2016-2017 era of wrestling, uh, you heard a lot about how gimmicks don't work anymore. Um, and then, you know, you kind of turn into the Stan the Dad character. Warhorse becomes Warhorse. Um, Danhausen found the Danhausen gimmick. Um, and we've heard him talk a bit about how, you know, it was just, this is my screw it. I'm going to try this, have fun with this. If this works awesome. If not, I'm going to go out and just enjoy what I'm doing. Was mm-hmm. that the same mindset for you? And what do you say to the people who think gimmicks don't work anymore? Um, yeah, I'd say that's similar for me. I, I think I hit a point um, where uh, I guess, Yes, for me, creatively, I, I want to do something different. I think wrestling gets to be a little bit too, uh, and I want and I want to say, I want to say this in a way that I'm not like, uh, you know, talking down to people that maybe mm-hmm. focus too much on wrestling because obviously it's important to be a good wrestler and to have good fundamentals and to be athletic and everything. Um, but when you get so like down into the weeds of like the proper way to wrestle. I think everything becomes very much the same because everyone's trying to do it the best that they can in this one particular way. And so when, you know, that's kind of became 
the standard, I think I lost some motivation just because I don't mm-hmm. like doing what everyone else is doing, even though there's just kind of like there became this correct way that you're supposed to um, right. you're supposed to perform. So, you know, and then, you know, to watch some, some of the other, you know, some friends of mine kind of have more success by getting outside of that box a little bit and kind of reaching new fans. And I think, um, and that's why fans kind of lapse a little bit is because they're not being engaged in the, in the way that they remember, you know, when they, if they wa- used to watch wrestling, there was always, great characters like great characters are always what kind of bring you in and then from there you might get really into like japanese wrestling and all and then and then your your fandom can can grow but like i don't think anyone's first exposure to wrestling was like misawa and kawada like that was a a, a, a evolution of of your love mm-hmm. of it and i love um you know 90s all japan as much as the next person but it's like mm-hmm. when you lose some of that um engagement that brings people in from the beginning then the fandom kind of starts to wane a little bit and then you you don't really have um as far of a reach so that's just a long way of saying that uh you know characters work because they're able to make wrestling approachable and accessible and that's a good thing wrestling shouldn't be gatekeeped or whatever by (laughs) by those who think it's it should be done a certain way or that so-and-so is better at it or because of they do uh, they do whatever so it's, it's just a way to kind of open it up it's a way to be accessible and it's a way to you know i've had people you know come to me and i've seen them go to warhorse and danhausen and effie and, and some other you know folks who who have these these great characters and just tell them like hey i i wasn't really a fan of this until i saw you or i had you know some friends that i wanted to bring the show and they didn't really know what was going on until um, you know, they saw you guys and then, and then the guard was down and then they were having a good time. And then when you see, and then when Josh Alexander is the next match and he's, you know, mm-hmm. the best wrestler ever, then they're, they're ready for that. You know, it's, it's sometimes it can be a, a bit much to kind of see like, oh, that, that high intensity, high athleticism, that real, you know, what, what, what you'd consider like that really crazy, you know, like, like good, good ring work or whatever. Sometimes people aren't ready for that. And if they need to see something that's a little bit more, accessible and fun it just kind of gets everyone in, in the mood and then wrestling becomes a variety show and not everything's the same and um so that's just that's that's my two cents on it i think it's it's better to it, to me it's more fun and it gives me more confidence to be able to get that reaction out of somebody than to try really really hard to get them to care about what moves i'm doing or or anything like that because if they care about you as a, as a character and as a person then it's so much easier to, to get them invested in, in your match. And you don't have to try so hard. If you're not trying so hard, then you have more mm-hmm. fun and then it's more fun for everyone. And it, all of these are just, these, these are just factors that kind of um, come into play that it, it's wrestling outside of wrestling. It's the, uh, it's everything else, but, but the wrestling that I think gets a little bit forgotten. And then when you add the good wrestling on there, on there with it, then you've got the complete package. So it's, um, I don't know. I think some people, if, if, if you're not getting over just with your wrestling, then absolutely try a character to, to kind of get more comfortable and get people on your side and then go from there. But it's, it's the best advice I give to, to most young people who, you know, are trying, you know, coming out and trying way too hard to be like the best wrestler. And it's like, it takes 10, 12, 15 years to be the best wrestler. You're not going to mm-hmm. do it in a year. So you might as well just get comfortable and, and have fun and, and be creative. And you're going to have way more success doing that than, um, 
than anything else. Or if you are the best wrestler right out of the gate, then that's great. Keep doing that. So it <laughs> just kind of depends what depends what works for you, you know. And I do think you hit the nail on the head there. Uh because when I was trying to get my girlfriend into wrestling, um, I learned the if you're watching two mat based wrestlers that don't have a lot going on outside of that. And again, there's not really anything wrong with that. I can sit down and watch that match and I can enjoy it. But when I'm mm-hmm. trying to get my girlfriend into it, you know, it's, she's bored to tears. And then I put on Dan, the dad, and she was grinning the whole time, just of the character, the silliness of the character. She was so just enthralled with that orange Cassidy loves orange Cassidy on AEW. That's, that's when you see her interest peak. Uh, perk up and now she's able to go back and watch like uh sasha versus bailey uh nxt brooklyn 2 and now she's saving up money to go to the academy um she wants to be a wrestler now and it's because of characters you know mm-hmm. it's the same people who say that characters don't work are the same ones who fell in love and were mesmerized by the undertaker i mean yes. it's it, that's just something that i've noticed so um I enjoy the characters. I try to enjoy all aspects of wrestling, but it definitely didn't start off that way. My favorite character is my favorite wrestler as a kid was Rey Mysterio. It's mm-hmm. just, I was so enthralled with that guy. He's just the little guy in the mask and you don't really know who he is, but I was always rooting for him. And that was what got me in, in. And then I started watching the Kurt Angles, uh, Eddie Guerrero, even though his character work is second to none. Um, so yeah, there's definitely something to what you're saying there. And I, I think maybe more people need to take note of that, especially on the independent scene. So this next question, it's just kind of personally a curiosity for me. Um, you and Warhorse travel together. Oh yeah. All the time. Um, so we'll be in who, the car tomorrow, tomorrow up to first. Yeah. <laughs> so who has control of the radio? um usually me because i swear it's always my car that we're taking it's always <laughs> it's always like you know the, the couple days before the show and it's like oh yeah we're taking your car right and i'm like i guess i <laughs> <laughs> i guess that's the the actual that's the dad in me i'm like all right let's load up my car i'll drive most <laughs> of the way so if i'm driving then i've got control of the radio that's for sure yes and warhorse actually <laughs> We we agree on most of our our music tastes. As long he 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 has some pretty obscure um, metal that he can get into the weeds with. But if we keep it a little bit more, um, like if we can keep it more in the Iron Maiden, uh, Judas Priest yep. realm, then I'm 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 happy with that. So I can I can let him have the the ox chord for a bit if he's going to stay within that realm. If it gets a little bit um, too crazy, then we might uh, we might slow it down a bit, but. For the most I part, guess we I get just, along pretty well with that. Yeah, I guess I just picture your characters in the car together. And because uh, <laughs> that's all I know. I don't know you guys on a personal level at Warhorse wanting to listen to some death metal. And then Dan the Dad, like, let's listen to some Hootie. And just, I don't know. We, that's as long, we, and then, and then we, we can, we can like, meet in the middle at, like, Kiss. Yep. You know, so stuff there you like go. that. That that works just fine, right? Yes. Um. So... <laughs> We've got some speed round questions for you. I've got 10 and then a bonus question. So are you ready for some speed round questions? I'm ready. All right. Question one, when grilling, propane or charcoal? Uh, Charcoal. Burgers or hot dogs? Burgers. What is the perfect temperature for the thermostat? Mm, 69 degrees. (laughs) John Deere or Husqvarna? (laughs) 
John Deere. My uncle is a big John Deere person. So okay. cheers to Uncle Jeff. John Deere. All right. Uncle Jeff. Uh, concert or ball game? <laughs> oh, concert. Now, Dan the Dad wears short shorts. How short is too short? Mm, my cutoff is uh, about, it's that like eight inches. So anything anything below that is too short. But you know what? It, my, my shorts are already short enough, so I don't know if I can <laughs> if I can really judge anyone for for having any anything shorter than that because I'm 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 uh, towing that line myself. So are those tough to wrestle in? They're extremely easy to wrestle in, actually. Oh, like okay. I, I actually I I have some actual trunks made now that that say like number one dad on them, but uh, but when I was wearing just the the those cat those like real short khaki shorts that it was like the best time of my career because they only cost like eighteen dollars and they were super comfortable and like easy to wash I, I should go back to them just because uh people like them and they're extremely easy so but i think tomorrow I'll, i'm gonna bust out the trunks but but i do like the shorts because they are very comfy and just very cheap because those those trunks cost like hundreds of dollars to get made and then here i was buying $20 pairs of shorts and I'm like why did I ever have this <laughs> custom wrestling trunks but think smarter not yeah, harder exactly exactly <laughs> dogs or cats dogs if a time machine was built for you you could go back to one decade and live through that decade but you got to come back at the end of it we talking 60s 70s 80s or 90s mm, 80s Home Depot Lowe's or Menards Menards how do you order your steak? Medium, maybe medium. Depends on the place, but I'll, I'll usually stick with medium. But if I know it's going to be good, then medium rare. I'm a medium guy myself. F. Mary Kill, Dan Housen, Effie Warhorse. This is the bonus question. <laughs> F. Effie, Mary Dan Housen, Kill Warhorse. Oh, yeah, we're putting this on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> we're putting that clip on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's the, that's the big question I've been waiting for the entire interview. So thank you for uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> I think right. I answered it too quickly. I, 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 I wish I would have deliberated more because now I look like an asshole. But... Yeah. And you got to ride with Warhorse tomorrow. So enjoy that. My yeah, friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so every episode we do top 10, we do a top 10 list with our guests personalized to them. You're a big sports nut like myself and Joel. Um, so we are going through top 10 sports moments for us. Um, it only rule was we had to watch it ourselves. Uh, so something from the sixties for me, isn't going to work because I wasn't around to watch mm -hmm. it. All right. So, uh, I'll start, I'll start us off with number 10, uh, the 2015 U S women's soccer team, uh, beating Japan and the, and the final, um, I'm not a big soccer guy, but when you're, when your team's, when your country's in the Nash and the World Cup, I mean, you watch it. And uh, Kelly Lloyd just put on a show. I had no idea who that was before. Uh, the The goal from midfield just completely blew my mind. And that's that's what takes – that's the takeaway from me for that. So, Dan the Dad, you're number 10. Um, number 10, so just – these are – this is stuff I've got distinct memories of of mm -hmm. watching um so it's a lot of it's a lot of st louis stuff but uh so the, the my number 10 was uh 2004 nlcs game six jim edmonds had a very iconic uh walk-off home run 
where he hits this big home run and he like pumps his fist. And it's just like, I just remember, you just going to remember what sitting there watching it. Um, and that was, we ended up uh, blowing it in the world series that year. So that particular moment is the moment for me for, for that year. Um, and Jim Edmonds, one of my, my favorite players of all time. So I just love that home run. I don't have any that I saw live at a game on my list because for whatever reason, anytime I go to a game with my team in it, they lose. And <laughs> so I don't have too many happy live, live moments like that. Uh, number nine, I've got uh, Chris Weidman knocks out Anderson Silva UFC. Um, I was working at a casino at the time as a poker dealer and the entire table just stopped like just mid card mm-hmm. to watch. And Oh my God. Uh, this was when Anderson Silva was at the height of his powers. Uh, just, you know, he was just flowing in the cage, just felt like nobody could stop him. And then Weidman, who wasn't a big name at the time, just knocks him out. And that was, I'll never forget just watching that, being in that poker room. And that was just amazing to me. You're number nine, sir. Number nine, um, again, remember watching, I would have only been like seven years old watching this, but it was when Fernando Tatis hits two grand slams in one inning. I think it was wow. 2000 or 2001, but it's like the most, it was the most incredible. I remember this, the, the incredulous uh, feeling of, of when he hit that second grand slam in the same inning, uh, just that feeling of like that. I don't know if that'll ever happen again. It never happened before. It never happened again. Like, and it, it, it's just one of those like ex- extremely uh, rare, ridiculous sports moments that, you know, it'd be, it'd be great if like his son, if Fernando Tatis Jr. did it or something, mm-hmm. that'd be incredible. But like, <laughs> who, who's ever going to come up to bat twice to right. with the bases loaded and, and do that again. So I, so, I mean, it's not it's... like the, the, the biggest, the biggest sport like event, but just the fact that it's so, incredible that it happened and i I know it was a a great call from like mike shannon on it too and that's what's fun about these lists it it, it's your top 10 you know it's what Mm -hmm. what made it for you and uh but if you were the manager of that ball club or the general manager you gotta fire the pitching coach after that (laughs) inning right (laughs) sometimes baseball is a game where it can just you know your team can just implode it's just it's just the it's just the nature of of baseball like it you can't even really pin it on one person or or one pitcher because obviously there was probably four or five pitchers that came in in that inning and they all blew it and it's just (laughs) it's the way it's the way baseball is sometimes you just have games where it all just falls apart and then there's 161 other ones that season so you got to pick yourself back up my number eight is uh 2003 packers versus raiders monday night football uh, the day afternoon before Brett Favre's dad died, heart attack, mm-hmm. uh, drove off the road. Um, Brett Favre chose to play and had the game of his life. I remember watching that game. Some of the throws had no business being caught. He was just chucking prayers and they were all being answered. Uh, he had a 154 passer rating. I, I think the max is 158.3. Uh, 399 passing yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Just the Raiders had no answer. And it was my grandfather describes that game. Um, he's a big Giants fan and describes like games of destiny or teams of destiny. He's like, there's just something else that's a part mm-hmm. of that game where it's just meant to happen. Um, and I'll never forget that watching that game as a kid. I was about 10 years old. So, yeah, it was that was crazy to me. Yeah, Your number that. eight that was. Uh, uh, so my number eight is also another father. uh 
Celtic okay. one. It was, and I was actually at this game because it happened in St. Louis, but it was Ken Griffey Jr. hits his 500th home run on wow. Father's Day, and his dad was there. And it was an away game, so like for, I'm not even That's sure so why cool. his dad was there. Yeah, uh, but he was there, and and and, uh, and I was there at that game. I remember it. I still have the ticket from it somewhere. Um, I always kept on like held on to that because it was just yeah, it was really cool. And then he like went, ran over, and and his dad was like sitting kind of uh, uh, in one of one of the first couple rows, so he was able to go like say hi to him. And um, I think some I, I'm sure he got the ball back from somebody who who caught it. Mm-hmm. That St. Louis fans would would definitely find it find a way to to get that ball back to him. I'm sure they did. But yeah, I remember being there for that and it was really cool yeah uh the one I got to see Ken Griffey Jr. play live once I was I was a kid I might have been seven or eight so my memory isn't and and I debated putting that one on this list but I didn't because I couldn't remember what the milestone was uh he was Mm -hmm. playing for the Reds playing against the Expos I grew up uh just in between that Ontario Quebec border New York side and uh my dad took me to an Expos game uh MLB you need to bring the Expos back um, and, and Griffey, I don't remember if it was a home run, if it was his 3000th hit, what it was, but it was a significant milestone. He hit it. And my dad is a huge Reds fan. And as Griffey's coming to home plate, my dad's got his camera ready to take a picture. And a guy, the guy in the row in front of him stands right up as he takes the picture. So we didn't get that <laughs> picture of Griffey at home plate with the, with this team. Um, but just funny moment for me. Uh, my number seven, um, I'm a diehard Falcons fan. I've got my Matt Ryan Falcons Jersey right here. Um, and this is the only time I wasn't upset to see my team lose 2006. This is post hurricane Katrina. Um, the Atlanta Falcons go to the new Orleans saints week three, uh, Monday night football, green day and U two, they open up the game with the saints are coming. Uh, just the energy was just insane and the Falcons had no chance. Um, but it was one of those games where you felt the entire, it, the Atlanta Falcons were playing the city of new Orleans that night. Mm -hmm. And for me, even as a kid, it was just, I, I, I had to be 13. It was just one of the most excited I've been to watch a football game. And just to, they, they pan to the crowd. You see, you'd see people crying and just, Games like that, sports can be such a powerful tool for people. And to watch New Orleans almost be reborn through after, during that game was incredible to me. Your number seven, sir. Number seven, um, also another, another uh, just something I was in attendance for. It was uh, Easter 2006, um, Albert Pujols. Uh, he just has this incredible three home run game. Um, that third home run was like a walk-off home run. Um, and it was just, I don't know. I don't, I, it's like, you look at like top, I, I think I was actually just looking at like a top 10 Albert Pujols moments. And this one was on there. And I don't, I don't even really know why. I just remember being there and everyone was just like, it was just like this insane atmosphere after he hit that last home run, a lot of families in attendance, a lot of people go to the, like the, the Easter game as like a tradition. And it was just kind of, it's one of these really cool, cool moments that he, you know, he's had, he had a, a few three home run games, but that one in particular, I think it was his most, most memorable just because, um, and he don't, you know, that, that's right in his, in his, yep. he's really starting to hit his prime. So he's like, you know, 2006 when he was just that at his best and just, it was just so fun. It was just fun to watch Albert kind of looking back as, as his career is winding down, um, how spoiled we were uh, mm-hmm. to be able to watch, you know, somebody who is probably the best 
uh, best player of the past at least few decades, um, mm-hmm. if not further back. Um, he just was incredible every single year. Even in his twilight years, he's still yeah. contributing to the Dodgers. Like, uh, I'm almost a little bit jealous that you know that we didn't uh, you know sign him for his final year or something, just because he's out there still, still, uh, still playing great, and I think he's gonna still hit some milestones if he plays another, I think another year. I think I, I saw him, uh, I think it was either run scored or something. He might be like up close to like the top of the list or it was something where if he, he played like another year, he was going to like be neck and neck with like Hank Aaron for right. or some record. And it's like, I think just kind of his, his years with the angels were just kind of for his, for his uh, standard, a little bit lackluster. But then if you just go back to those, like those, like first, uh, 10, 11 years or so with the Cardinals, it's like the hands down the best player in baseball during that time. And, you know, you'd have to go back to like a Hank Aaron to find anyone mm-hmm. um, who's better than him. So it just was fun to look back on, on, on watching him and, and, and seeing him live so many times and, you know, the, the impact he had on my childhood and, and, and those years. So. Yeah. And I think with Albert Pujols, you know, it was, yeah, he had the home runs, he had the big at bats, but for him, I think the attribute that stand that stands out is his consistency. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just anytime I turned on sports center, you know, it was, it was, I swear I was watching Albert Pujols hit a home run. It was just, he was unstoppable, especially in his prime. Uh, for number six, I've got uh, Kobe's last game. Uh, this was when I watched on TV. Uh, against the Jazz, and it's it's one of those rare moments where you know you're watching somebody's last game, mm-hmm. and it, they made a big event out of it, and just kind of like the first three quarters, I'm like, oh well, this is this is really nice. This is a good-hearted moment, and then that fourth quarter hit, and all of a sudden you just see Kobe hit that switch, and he starts turning the game around, bringing his team back, and then that last minute of the game, he hits the three to go up. And just, God, I was mesmerized. And the whole the whole crowd going nuts, just the energy of the game, the teammates hugging him. Just, I'm a sucker for big moments. Like, sports is no different in wrestling in this way. The best moments have storylines. Mm-hmm. And Kobe's last game, uh, his family being there, uh, just was an awesome game to watch. Their big comeback after having an awful year and then being able to beat the Jazz in his final game. And him being the reason was just beautiful your number six my number six is a very recent one um and it was actually is so it was the the first home game for the the battle hawks in the xfl so this was last yeah last uh february i guess and the rams leaving st louis was such a uh, it's hard to describe because I don't know that a lot of other cities have gone through, you know, when you, there's been relocations and then there was the, the saga that was the NFL kind of putting in the fix on the city of St. Louis and all the, a lot of these owners getting together Mm -hmm. to to make this happen. And we'll see how that all plays out in court, but uh, (laughs) with with the city and and the NFL and Stan and everything and it, and it, it was just a very, very, very bitter split. And I think a lot of people in this city just gave up on football. You just, you didn't see like bars, like playing NFL games much anymore. It just was like, right. you know, you still have, you're still, you know, NFL fans in the city, obviously, but like in terms of it being like a, 
an institution it, it, in an instant it was just kind of gone and i think people really missed football and then you know up springs the xfl and we're all sitting there and we're like hoping like i hope we get a team we obviously have a a dome that's sitting there empty that we could put this team in and then i remember the day that they you know finally announced like all the cities and st louis has a team and everything and it was like immediately like all that buzz started up again um but then you know another year had to go by of just kind of the waiting mm-hmm. and then um and then we finally had that first home game at the dome and it's like i remember walking in i went with my with my dad and my brother um you know we had gone to so many rams games over the year and over the years in that in that dome and just to kind of walk in and see like a foot like a football field out out there again like and then people in the seats and we're just kind of sitting there and it's like uh and then as people started filing in and getting real loud and they sold like a ton of t- they sold like 40,000 tickets for an XFL yeah. game every every other every other team had maybe like 12 to 15,000 right. and, and St. Louis has like a full dome um and it's just cuz we were we were like we missed football so much we just didn't have like we didn't want to go crawling back to the nfl and be like you know chiefs fans or something like no but right. a lot of people in the city did not want to do that um and so it just i just it was it was so much fun and i you know i'm hoping the xfl kind of can get started back up whether it be in 2023 or wherever they're kind of saying now and i'm i'm confident and i'll always be confident in the rock and his brand to, to yes. be successful so i'm glad that that's behind it but um so yeah just as a, a, a moment that i was i was there for was just kind of that 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 first home game it was it was just a lot of fun and it was a lot it was very cathartic for a lot of us in in the city who had to go through the the rams fiasco so yeah i remember just the fun of watching from week to week what jordan tayama would do and what pj walker Mm -hmm. would do and just Mm -hmm. like all right who's gonna be the mvp and then the season just not making it because of covid which was so unfortunate because i thought the league was going to be successful um, I ended up gravitating towards the dragons for some reason, even though they ended up being like the worst team. It's just, I have to, <laughs> I have to have a team I'm rooting for. I have to have a favorite sure. team. And, uh, that's, that's the one I went with. Uh, but yeah, I almost put PJ Walker's debut on my list because I remember watching him just, he couldn't miss his debut versus mm-hmm. the LA wildcats and like his fundamentals. I had no idea who the guy was. But fundamentals were so sound. He was just on another level from everybody else on the field and was just captivated by it. Um, But there's something to what you're saying with that, uh, you know, not having an NFL team and then fans showing out when the AAF was a thing. You saw that with San Antonio. Uh, Mm -hmm. They were the only ones selling out games. And it's because they didn't have an NFL team. But obviously there Mm -hmm. is a market there for an NFL team. Same thing with St. Louis. The fans are hungry. They want their football back. Yeah, and I and I understand the strategy with like putting teams in, you know, putting a team in New York and a team in right. LA. Even though you're not going to sell a ton of tickets to those, it's it's more the, you know, someone will tu- someone will tune in to watch New York versus LA versus yes. you know, Birmingham versus Oklahoma City. You know, like and there's other cities that you could probably put teams in that might sell more tickets. So, but I'm glad that at least like St. Louis got included to not only be considered like a a, a good market for it, but then right. also just a, we're, we were the city that was kind of propping up the, the, the ticket sales for the league. Yeah. Uh, if that's what we're, we need to be um, in 2023, if it gets going again, then I'll be there. I'll, I'll buy those season tickets again. <laughs> so do you, do you still root for the Rams or was the divorce too ugly? To no, 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 no. It, 
and, and, and we'll talk about it in my number three, but uh, okay. <laughs> we can, we can get a little bit more into, into that, but no, I, the Ram, the Rams uh, that I uh, would say that I know and love versus the Rams now are, are two different entities. So yeah. Yeah. I remember watching Mark Bolger, Marshall Falk, Tory Holt, Isaac Bruce. God, mm-hmm. you guys were stacked in the, in the early 2000s. And then my Falcons kicked your butt in the playoffs, but we don't need to talk yeah. about that too much. <laughs> And then, and then everyone kicked their butts for the next decade. So <laughs> very true. All right. Uh, my number five uh, hockey. I'm a big Blackhawks fan. 2015 against the Tampa Bay lightning Stanley cup game six. Uh, the final game to establish the Blackhawks as a dynasty uh, for the 2010s uh, was so cool. Was at a friend's house. Uh, there was a bunch of us there watching it. I was the only Blackhawks fan there, but it was it was awesome. I mean, the roster we had, Patrick Sharp, Jonathan Taze, Marion Hosa, Patrick Kane, Brent Seabrook, Duncan Keith, Corey Crawford was unbelievable in this game. There were like three different breakaways that he just stuffed. Uh, it was it was so cool to me to watch as a Blackhawks fan, see them get that dynasty because, you know, the rest of my teams, they aren't going to do that. So <laughs> 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 you're number five. Um, my number five, again, just some something I had a distinct memory of, and I would have been five years old, I think, five or six. Uh, so it was the 1998 NBA Finals. That's Jordan's last, what okay. was supposed to be kind of his last game, obviously he comes back for those um, season or two with the with the Wizards and all that. But um, I do remember watching the, the end of the, the finals. Um, I think it was a game six that they, they closed it out. And I just remember the that moment of everyone kind of realizing that that might be that might be it for Michael and um I remember I I have this memory of like looking at my parents and I was like oh I was like so sad and I was like I really wanted to see Michael Jordan play yeah and they both looked at each other like you never said that before we would have taken you to Chicago to take you to a Bulls game like why did you not because you know I didn't but I think it's just in that moment I was like huh I should have spoken up and said I wanted to go yep. see Michael Jordan play. And I never, and I, if I had, I would have at least, I would have a memory of, of seeing him play. And I think maybe I'll, I'll know, know that for, for my kids to be like, if there's somebody who's a once in a lifetime mm-hmm. uh, athlete, take them to see yes. that even if they don't even know it, uh, it might even be taking kids to see like, if, if in a couple of years, Shelly Otani is the greatest bat- mm-hmm. baseball player of all time, then he might be after this year, uh, take him and then see him and this, and then they'll have that memory, whether they realize it at the time or not, they'll look back and say, you know, that they wanted to, that they got to see an all time great. Um, so, yeah, I, but I still I do remember watching the, the, the end of that, that finals. And for some reason, my, my five-year-old self was overcome with emotion that yeah. <laughs> Michael Jordan was retiring um but yeah that was fun yeah my dad um this is one of those things I wish I was born a bit sooner I'm a 93 baby um mm-hmm. and the, the two I wish I could have seen in their prime Michael Jordan Bo Jackson um for MJ the first game I remember watching he was in a wizard's uniform so I didn't get to mm-hmm. see prime MJ um I I can watch I can go back and watch those highlights and yeah they're awesome but I can't imagine how cool it must have been to watch that on a daily basis, just him do his thing. Um, and same thing with Bo Jackson. I just, I've always been fascinated by how good Bo Jackson was. 
Uh, my number four, I've got uh, Eagles versus Redskins or Washington football team. Um, Monday night football. Uh, this was, oof, I want to say 20, 2012, 2011. Uh, the player who got me into football was Michael Vick. Um, there was the dog fighting stuff that really broke my heart, but he was the he was the player who got me into it. I wore number seven in high school. That was my jersey. Uh, he was everyone what I grew up with wanted to be Michael Vick, and seeing him against the Washington football team first half, just you see the first first pass, he goes deep to Deshaun Jackson, and gone touchdown. I was playing fantasy football, and I won my game with with Vick playing one half, and just to watch him completely dominate a team like he did that day. Uh, there, there's the, there's the clip of Albert Hainsworth trying to tackle him twice. And then Vic comes back for a third time and Albert Hainsworth just is on his hands and he's just looking up at him and lets him go. Cause he's too tired. Um, <laughs> that's just, that's one of my favorite, favorite games to go back and watch. Uh, cause after all the controversy and all that, that was my first favorite player. Um, and to see him come back as a better person, uh, after Tony Dungy mentored him and, getting to see him get become good at football or, or getting a second shot and then doing that uh, made me happy as a kid. I was, I, I felt like I was being pulled in two directions because my favorite things are dogs and football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, uh, <laughs> like, I do remember that being a kind of like a really tricky uh, situation. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're number four. <laughs> Um, my number four, uh, we're, we're getting into like championships now. So, mm -hmm. uh, 2000, 2006 world series. Um, again, I kind of going back to like the Albert Pujols thing, uh, him getting his, his world series there, he would get another one, but, um, it just was, uh, I just, that team was so, was very instrumental to like my formative years. Um, when you got like, uh, I guess really that whole like early 2000s was just, we were just very spoiled in this city with with uh, the teams that we had, but mm -hmm. not a lot of championships really came from it, um, other than like the Rams Super Bowl in 2000. So uh, when and when the Cardinals did it in 2006, and another and like kind of was a, a a weird year where they had like a they had a record that wasn't all that great. It was just kind of they kind of limped into the playoffs and then just had a great run and and won it. And I remember watching it with my whole family and our childhood home and just kind of just a, a warm memory of, of, of seeing that uh, David Eckstein is the world series MVP for some reason, but you know, he had a, <laughs> had a great series. Uh, that St. Louis though was always going to be some scrappy, some scrappy white guy will uh, become our, our hero because that's, I guess we identify, I don't know, but uh, David freeze years later as well, but uh, we, that's what we like in, in this city. And then the, uh had that fun little uh that that mvp run and yeah then just like albert just kind of like solidifying himself as the best player in baseball with his his world series ring and everything is good stuff my number three uh the greatest college football game ever played in my opinion uh 2006 texas versus usc uh just i i remember just being in in middle school and everyone had it was either on Texas or USC side. I really liked Reggie Bush. Um, always had a thing for like exciting players and mm -hmm. just watching that game. The first half was, eh, but that second half it's, if you haven't gone back, 
if you haven't seen this game, go back and watch the highlights. The second half was incredible. There's so many just polarizing moments. Uh, Reggie Bush leaping from like the six yard line into the end zone was just in- incredible. Uh, Vince Young uh, doing the point with the confetti falling down uh, was such a great game. And you see all the stars that ended up making it to the NFL and were like first and second rounders just from those two teams. It was it was an incredible game. Number three. All right, my number three. So we can we can go back to some some Rams talk because this is um, Rams Super Bowl um, two thousand. Uh, to this day, you know, the Rams have one Super Bowl championship, and it belongs to the city of St. Louis. It is not yes, a it does. The Los Angeles Rams have never won a Super Bowl. So uh, every every so my, I guess my only real uh, enjoyment I get from the NFL these days is. Because the Rams are they're a good team, and they the, when they actually when they when, the, when they were in the Super Bowl uh, two three years ago, whatever it was against mm-hmm. the Patriots, um, I did make a point to watch that, and I always hated the Patriots. Yes, um, but they but they kind of became like a the the enemy of my enemy kind of thing mm-hmm. where I was like, all right, I, I, I'm, I'm into the Patriots now because they were the ones. <laughs> it feels like, it feels like every team that beats the Rams in the playoffs has defended the yep. St. Louis's Super Bowl in a way. So that's my, that's my, that's the most like interest I have in the NFL these days is seeing the Rams lose for that reason, because they can, you can, you can play in your big cronky palace all you want, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, uh, we still own that that one Lombardi trophy, so whatever. That's the first Super Bowl I actually remember watching. I was six, I think. Um, and yeah, Kurt Warner, I I really like just the greatest show on turf. They were amazing. It was just it was like playing a Madden video game, and they were doing it on Sundays. It was it was great. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say yeah, just just gonna talk more about like that team and like how mm-hmm. yeah, and in, in, insanely good they were they they ushered in an entire era of like of passing the football so, like and spreading yes. a you know and, and having a, a team full of like great athletes who can uh you know and marshall falk like a great great running right. back also a great receiver he was like a, such a such a threat at all times um and then that, that that super bowl itself is just a great game just in general um back and forth pretty much throughout and the, you know the great the mike jones tackle at the yep. at the end of it, for I, I don't know where it is. I'll have to dig it out of a box somewhere. But I've got a signed um, a signed photo of the tackle signed by Mike Jones. It's it's, That's in, so it's cool. in a box somewhere. I'll have to put on display once I have some sort of man cave that I I can put all my shit out. But uh, but it's uh, I do remember that the and I, I remember like the the being like the 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 feel of like the entire room just being like breathless when he did make that tackle because. The yeah. second um it looked like does sort yeah. of cross the goal line and it's like oh my god I, and then they yeah then they go back and uh made the call and it was like it was just like a like a deep breath and then you know huge celebration obviously but yeah I, i'm glad you have that moment dan uh my team's only super bowl moment um yeah we're yeah not gonna talk about it i hope that doesn't make your list 28 to 3 <laughs> what's that I hope uh, my team's only real Super Bowl moment that I was a fan oh, of doesn't make your list. At least you have that 
2000, 1999-2000 season. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we have uh, different uh, different Super Bowl memories. Um, True. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the signed Mike Jones thing. I'm a big sports uh, card collector, um, memorabilia stuff. That's I've always been fascinated with that. My brother's first player was actually Marshall Falk. He wore 28 in Pee Wee. Um, and you talk about that offense and just how good they were passing ball, passing the ball. And oh, by the way, one of the 10 greatest running backs of all time is in the backfield too. Just right. that team was crazy. Um, my number two, we're getting down to it. And, uh, you talked about hating the Patriots right there with you. Giants beating the Patriots to, uh, end the undefeated season. Patriots go 18 and one, uh, couldn't have been happier. I can't stand Tom Brady. I can't stand the Patriots and I can't trust anybody who does. And (laughs) (laughs) my grandfather being a big Giants fan, he talked about that team being a team of destiny. Uh, Just the frozen game in Green Bay, Lawrence Tynes making that field goal that he had no business making in that cold. Um, I I just remember like the picture of uh, like Tom Coughlin's face and like he wouldn't wear anything over his ears and they were redder than redder than cherries just um but that super bowl was crazy just watching michael strahan justin tuck ocu Minura, those guys just beating up on brady for four quarters the david tyree catch just just absolutely <laughs> loved it you're number two um number two oh yeah so uh 2011 world series uh, specifically game six um because game seven of that of that series was not very interesting. The Cardinals just kind of smashed the the Rangers and and, and closed that one out. But mm-hmm. game six, down to the last last out, last strike, David Freeze ties it up and then they go on to win that. I just remember I remember watching I remember I remember game six a lot more than even game seven, because I think game six was just so exciting and then it's almost like game seven was a letdown because like obviously it was great that we uh we won and, and, and closed it out. But um, now I'll always remember this, the, that just sitting there, like on that, like, that's a great thing about baseball is that it, everything can just hinge. It can be a very boring game, but then once mm-hmm. it slows down and everything hinges on one pitch is when it all just like uh, it becomes such a, such a beautiful uh, game and creates these moments. And yeah, I just remember, I remember I can, I can place myself in that I was at my, my fraternity house in college and we were all watching it there and everyone was just completely silent. And I can just, I can put myself back in that moment at any, at any time that of, of that, of that pitch and that just everything that happened with the, with that and, and, and David Freeze becoming the, of course, another pretty average player yep. who became a hometown hero because I got the same list and that's what happens here. Those scrappy white guys, man. I mean, they, they just, they, just that, they, they got no business being in the league that they're in, but <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. I get it. Uh, my number so one, go ahead. Oh, sorry. There's a car alarm going off. Yeah. That's all right. Oh, there it goes. Okay. We're good. Okay. Um, <laughs> we can move on to number one. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Um, like your, like your number two, you remember and you can put yourself back there at any point for me, that was the mm-hmm. 2016, 2017 NFC championship game uh, Falcons against the Packers where the Packers were beat up, just walking into the buzzsaw. That was the Falcons that year. Um, and that, that was our last game at the Georgia dome. 
closed it out. Uh, Julio Jones was just, they couldn't stop him. Matt Ryan couldn't miss. Devontae Freeman was an animal. Uh, Rodgers was getting beat up all day. And for a team that didn't have much of a pass rush, it you wouldn't know it by watching that game. Um, just remember, my team's finally made it to a Super Bowl. Um, just that feeling, that overwhelming, like, uh, I don't know why we take sports as seriously as we do and get as emotionally invested as we do. But like just the wave of relief when they won that game just washed over me. And yeah. And then I'm just going to pretend that two weeks later didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. My, my number one is it's like that wave of relief, but times like yeah. a million it's when the blues finally won the Stanley cup. There you uh, go. Yep. 2019. Uh, the blues are so they're such like a, I mean, St. Louis is such a sports town because we don't have much else going on here. So uh when the blues have been such an institution for so long and they've been, they've been good almost every year of their existence. Like they just, it would pretty much, especially those like early two thousands teams of like Chris Pronger, Al McGinnis. And, and like there, there's no reason they shouldn't have won a Stanley cup with the amount of talent that they had, but it just was this team that could never get it done. We, we, we'd go into the playoffs, super excited every year and then be disappointed every single year. It just was like this very, it was a, it was a vicious cycle that we would always go through in this town where everyone gets real excited for the Stanley cup. And it's like, Oh, we're going to go out drinking for every game. It's going to be great. We're going to watch every Mm -hmm. single one and it's fun. And then it's not fun. And then it it, it all just falls apart. And and, and then this, you know, 2019, especially considering, you know, the, 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 the blues went from being the worst, worst team in the league to go on this that incredible run to to get into the playoffs and then um and then the rest was history. I actually went to game six, which was in St. Louis, where they did not win. They did not get it done. And I I remember I was just sitting there, you know, so ready to see. Uh I was like, man, I'm gonna be here to watch them like, you know, be able to to, to hoist the cup. And it was like so I was just like living the moment like before it was even happening. And then they fell apart and lost and had to go back to Boston for game seven. And I was like, man, that would have been really cool to see it there. But then the fact that they still got it done in game seven was like, all right, I don't care. I'm glad I at least got, I got to go to a Stanley cup game. So I always have that memory, even if it wasn't like what I wanted, uh, it still was like a, a step on the journey of them um, winning that, that, that first cup. And, and then the parade was just wild for <laughs> the week after with, with the, like a million people downtown um the players were just so drunk and uh, they were <laughs> they earned they it got the cut they they earned it but like man that 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 party and like just once they finally all made their way up to this stage that was set up with fireworks and everything and they're all basically falling down because they've been drinking all day or probably all week and yeah that was a that was a fun day i remember that one well i mean this was a lot of fun, Dan. I, I really enjoyed this interview. I, I love being able to just chop it up and talk sports with whoever for as long as we did. Um, so thank you for coming on the show. Sorry, the cat is dragging the, the cord. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for coming on the show. Uh, shameless plugs, go. Uh, so you can find me at thanks Dan the dad on Twitter, Instagram, um, twitch.tv slash thanks Dan the dad. If you want to check out my Twitch, I'm usually live every Tuesday and Thursday, um, between like four 30 and five central time. So, um, just keep an eye on 
my socials just to see what I'm doing that particular day, but that pretty consistently um, have my Twitch going on those days. Um, if you're interested in any merch, uh, danthedad.bigcartel.com. Um, I've got t-shirts as well as other fun stuff like the coffee mugs that um, uh, sell pretty well. So uh, you can find some stuff there. And, uh, and then, uh, yeah, I can plug uh, Glory Pro uh, at We Are Glory Pro on Twitter at Glory Pro Wrestling on Instagram. Um, you can find it on Facebook for, for information, gloryproprowrestling.com uh, for any just information as far as what are our events coming up. Um, July 25th is our next one in St. Louis. Um, so if you're local and you want to come down for that, that's great. Tickets are still available, but if you want to check it out after the fact, it'll be up on the High Spots Wrestling Network, uh, usually within a few days after after we uh we take the show so um that's about it appreciate you having me on though it's a lot of fun yeah i i I, again i appreciate it um i've got plans for you know maybe a year from now when we've had enough guests to have like a uh guest uh fantasy football league um so you're going to be the first person i reach out to when when that becomes a reality but thank you dan um anybody listening you can follow us at twitter at at psg Pay, uh, excuse me, PSJ Pod um, on Twitter. Uh, love interacting with the people who listen to the show, and we will see you next time. Stay safe.